Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you for accommodating a switcheroo on you this Easter morning. We're going to have plenty of singing on the back end because we want to take the truth of God's word and give it time to settle in our hearts and give us some extra time to sing and to praise God for what he has already done and for what he may do in this service. It's no secret why we're here. I don't have a secrety. A switcheroo story to tell you. Jesus is alive. He is risen. That's right. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. But the thing about it is that hopefully will change is that what that accomplishes for the people who will accept that is nothing short of new and everlasting life. And that's why we're here. My story is unique to me, Right? No one can argue with what God has done in my life. This is the good news. We could argue about principles and philosophy. We could argue about ideas, but no one can negate or argue my story. I have a testimony. I get to testify to God's goodness. You have a story. My story wasn't always being a Christian. I was an atheist, and most of you know the story. I'm not going to go into it. That's not what we're here for. But it's my story. If you knew me before, you would look and go, man, it's a good thing you met Jesus because you were headed to some crazy stuff. Maybe your story's that way. Maybe your testimony is that that you were hopeless and you had a meaningless and purposeless life and you met Jesus and it changed everything and you understand this idea of new life and you're here to celebrate that. And so when we sing, you're going to be the ones Singing loud because you want to declare the goodness of God in your life. It's your testimony. You might not be a Christian, but you still have a story today. Did you know that? You're living a story today. It might not be so great. Your story might be difficult, one of hardship and struggle and despair. Maybe you're here today living a story that is causing you to ask questions about your meaning and purpose. Some of you have been maybe waiting, hoping, hoping to hear that there is something that will give you a new life, another shot. The good news is that there is. I'm going to tell you a story of a friend of ours. He goes to our church. He's a part of Bayou City, Cyprus, and he allowed me to share this today because when I heard about it, it was one of those things that you hear and it, it opens your eyes to not just the grandness of God and his faithfulness, but it is such a picture of what we celebrate today. He, um, for the last couple decades, he has wanted to do something outside of normal generosity. It was on his heart to do something that would not just make somebody feel good, but would give them a chance at new life. And one of those things, he wanted to give a kidney. You rethink your generosity standards. (laughs) Man, I wrote that check. (laughs) Oh, you gave a kidney. Okay, you win. But he wanted to because here, here's the reason why. Because I asked him why. He says, he says, because I knew the deep need. He said, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are going to die if they don't get a transplant. They're waiting for a chance at, at a longer, better new life. And if I would donate this, because you can do with one, somebody else will be able to live also. He understood the deep need of those waiting and needing that transplant. And he knew that there was no fix outside of a donor. And he thought that if it helped one, it would be worth it. 
Now, they don't let you know the people that you donate to for a couple of reasons. One, you, you might form an attachment and the way that it's pretty fluid, right? And so you, um, if you donate, it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll go to the person you originally thought. It can change, right? So that's one reason. Another reason is they don't want you to judge their worthiness. Could you imagine? Hey, I'm going to donate my kidney. Oh, not to that guy. I'm not sure they're worthy because like, what if it goes to somebody who doesn't deserve it? So you don't get to choose. And he went on to tell me that um, the donors before you can donate are thoroughly tested. He said, I've never been through more testing in my life. Because what they want to know is that the organ that's being donated, that it is that it is um, clean and healthy and that it has all the things that a person will need, right? That's thoroughly tested to make sure that the donor is exactly what they need. And then COVID happened and it put the whole thing on hold. And then in fall 2020, everything was back on. The plan had been to have surgery in January, but because it was postponed, the person that was originally planned for, because the process already started, that person got a different a different um, donor. And so the person who ended up getting his kidney had a match already. It was his sister-in-law. So they were set to go. But then when he came online to donate, he was actually a better match. And because he was a better match, the kidney that uh, the person who received his from his her sister-in-law, excuse me, his sister, too much coffee this morning, his sister-in-law, or this person's sister-in-law, was able to give it to a different person. So somebody else got a kidney also. And what he realized, the person who received his kidney had been on dialysis for a very long time. She has a family, and she'd been waiting for a transplant, been on the transplant list for years. What's interesting is because he donated... He happened to be the key piece to a 16-person chain. Originally, there were three people set to receive donations at that time. But because he came on at this, the exact time, everything adjusted and shifted. It's the longest chain of donors to recipients to this point. This is what he told me uh, in Methodist history. God is pretty faithful, isn't he? See, he filled a gap so that others could have new life. As we got to talking, a couple things that were really interesting is in his recovery, he went back and he was taking his first walk and the nurse that was helping him as he was walking around the hall, they got to talking. And he was like, oh, you know, this is what's going on. He said, this has been on my bucket list for years. I want to go to the Alps. I'd like to go to, uh, you know, Bora Bora. We'll see if it works. I'd like to do a lot of things. I wanted to ride a bullet one time, but giving a kidney wasn't on my bucket list. And as he's walking around there talking, here's a fascinating thing. He said, we got to talking about church. And she said, oh, I go to church. Oh, where do you go to church? He said, oh, I go to Bayou City. She goes, oh, I go to Bayou City. His nurse goes to Spring Branch. Interesting how God puts people around us. And the things, he finally ends up meeting uh, the woman who had received his kidney. And they started to build friendships. 
It doesn't always happen that way, but they're able to start to build a friendship. And he said, generally, it's tougher on the donor than the receiver. I'm telling you all this for a reason. It's tougher on the donor than the receiver. The person giving their kidney has a different, a more difficult time recovering than the person receiving. In fact, receivers generally start recovering immediately. He said when he saw this woman, like her color came back in. She was vibrant and alive. Remember, she'd been on dialysis, staying alive, hanging on, hoping for a chance at a new life. And she received this organ, this new kidney, and it offered her new life. And she actually came back to life almost immediately. He said the new life was evident. In fact, another interesting thing is next door to him in the hospital as he was recovering was the woman who received the other kidney. The sister-in-law's kidney. Her, the recipient of that one was next door and he overheard a phone conversation one day. And she was talking to a family member or somebody and she was saying, when I see you next, I'm gonna race you down the hall. She was ready to go because she had received new life too. Last thing he told me, he said, you know, it's interesting. After she got that kidney, you never would have known that she was sick at all. It's interesting how, as he was telling me the story, I I just, my brain was going just spinning and spinning and spinning because as he was telling me the story in his own words, this was just him telling me what happened. I realized that God was giving us a gift today because his story is really God's story. It's God's story. See, it hasn't been decades that God has been looking at the need in our lives. See, we all come with need, whether we know it or not. We are in deep need. We don't need a new organ. We need a new life. Right? We don't need a new kidney. We need a new heart. And that's what we're looking for, right? This love that doesn't come from all the things we're seeking out. It's like we've all been on this spiritual dialysis for so long. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you are on it now. You're living it now. And so this idea that dialysis, and I say spiritual dialysis, we use everything else possible, right? To find that life that we're seeking, as long as it doesn't have to be Jesus. It wasn't decades, it's been from the very beginning. God breathed life into humanity and Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, they sinned, right? They chose to rebel against God, to disobey, that's called sin. I don't like it either, by the way. I don't like this part of the story. They blamed each other, right? And you're like, yeah, what's wrong with them? And then we recognize that we try to blame everybody else for all the stuff, right? I'm just gonna admit it out loud for everybody. It's my fault, It's my fault that my life's a mess, that my life was ever a mess, that I was ever outside of God is my fault. The Bible says this, the good news is it's not just me or you, but that we are all, all in this deep need and that we all have fallen short of what we actually are shooting for. The Bible says that because God is holy and perfect, he cannot be in the presence of sin because we are sinful. Obviously, there's this separation that happens and everybody, everybody is in the sin boat. Again, I don't like it any more than you do. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And he says that all have turned away. There is no one righteous, no one who seeks good. And it says there's no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then the Bible says that there's this punishment. Kids, raise your hand. 
All the kids in the room, raise your hand. Okay, you, you guys are going to know exactly what, I, what I'm talking about. When you do something wrong, do you get in trouble? There's a punishment, right? They're like, yes. All the students are like, go ahead and try me. But there's a punishment for our wrongdoing. And the Bible says that this punishment is eternal separation from God. In fact, it says that it's death. Right? It doesn't mean if you lie tonight, you're going to fall down dead in your living room. But it does mean that we are eternally separated from the God who loved us and made us. And just like our friend who gave his kidney unlocked this chain, unlocked this, this new life for 16 other people. Now, we know that it's not him. God orchestrated that, right? But because he did, people had new life. They went from making it to living. And the Bible is clear. God looked down on your need and my need because he loves you and because he loves us. He provided the fix. He offered a donor for you and for me. The Bible says it like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, Jesus, would not perish. They wouldn't die, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He offered a donor so that you might have new life. And it's interesting, right? Because could you imagine if you've been on dialysis for years and on the donation list for years, waiting for a transplant, an opportunity, new life, and, and, and somebody said, hey, we got a kidney for you. And you're like, nah, I'm going to keep trying the way I'm going. Could you, I mean, think, and I don't mean to be trite with it, but this is how we operate with God, is it not? See, a donor's been offered. You have an opportunity at new life. And so often, so what I did for so long was like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. The Bible keeps going and Showing that Jesus was the key. See, to be with a holy, perfect God, we have to somehow be made perfect and holy. That doesn't happen by trying harder. Because the Bible says that our first sin was the thing that sealed the deal for our separation with God. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You'd be like that lady saying, I'll race you down the hall. I have new life. I have new legs. I have some place to go. I have purpose. I have hope. If you are in Christ. Later on in that same scripture, it says this. It says that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First Peter says, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. It's the idea is there's this holy switcheroo that happened. Perfect Jesus said, hey, I could stay with God and be with him. He didn't do anything wrong, right? He chose on purpose to switch places, to offer himself as a donation, a perfect life, for an imperfect life. A healthy kidney for a dead kidney. A, a new heart for an old broken heart. He became sin for us. Now, here's how this works. If he just took my sin, 
Johnny Marks, my sin, my filth, all the things that I have accumulated in my 43 years, it would be a heavy burden. But he did that for me and for everybody in this room and for all the people at the seven o'clock service and the 1030 service and every church around the world and for everybody who's not in church today, for all time, he, he bore the burden of that sin. The death that is deserved by those sins, he became and took on so that anybody Listen, anybody, not the clean. This is not for the clean people. This is not for the healthy and put together people. This is not for the religiously pure people. This is for the hurting and the broken and the lost. It is for every single person to say yes to that perfect life so that you can be with God. He does not make a distinction or qualify what you have to have or be in order to come to him. It is a free and open donation for you. And as our friend told me that it's tougher on the donor than the recipient, I want you to be clear about what he endured. Not only in idea did he take on your sin, but in actuality, he paid a very heavy price. While he walked on the earth, though he lived a perfect life and he never sinned, he was beaten and brutalized and mocked and spit on. And he bore his own cross and died a criminal's death. Not because he deserved it, but because I do. And everybody who met Jesus was changed. Whether they received him or not, they were changed. Those who said yes to Jesus found immediate Different life. Zacchaeus, dirty, rotten tax collector. I'm sorry if you collect taxes in here. It was worse then. It was a little different, maybe. Maybe. It's a joke. It's Easter. We can laugh at Easter. But he met Jesus, and what happened? He was convicted and cut to the core, and what did he do? He says, I'm going to give it all back plus. I don't want to be the same guy. The lame and the broken, the blind, the paralyzed, they met Jesus and their lives were new. They were given literally new life. People got their lives back. People could walk again. People could see again. This is the same Jesus. This is not some bedtime story for your kids. This is the living Christ who has the same power to change your life as he did all of these. Luke 24 says this, after he was crucified and buried, it says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, probably as early as the sunrise service, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Because I was an atheist, I want to clear something up. There's a story that's been told that still circulates today that his disciples took his body and hid it away somewhere and he's still dead. That actually says in the Bible that that was what happened. They fabricated a story. I just want you to know that it's a fabrication and not the truth. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, listen, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. 
See, they were looking for Jesus to still be dead because they, they couldn't comprehend that their Savior would actually be alive. That he actually experienced the power of God because that meant that everything he said was true and that new life is going to be available to everybody. After he showed himself to over 500 people at the end of Luke, here's what it says. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And I beg God even now, open your people's minds to hear this. This is what is written. This is Jesus speaking. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And when he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead in John 11, he had an interaction with his sisters. And I want to I pose this question to you. After they were, they were saddened because their brother had died and Jesus had not come to stop him from dying. And Martha says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus told her this, I... Jesus am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked her. I, Jesus, am the resurrection and the life. I am the donor that you need to get off spiritual dialysis. I am the one you need to have hope and mercy and forgiveness and a future and a purpose. I am the one you need if you want to run down the hall with your kids. I am the one that you need to run a real race. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Some of you are looking for this. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting, seeking and searching and trying to find that thing that will get you off the transplant list and into new life. And I'm here to tell you, you can stop your search with Jesus. You can stop your search with Jesus. All of the other things haven't worked anyway. And they won't. Because what you need is a new heart and a new mind. And that only comes through him. At Christmas, when you get presents, you have to take the presents and unwrap the presents for them to be yours. Otherwise, they sit under the tree and they're not anybody's. They're just presents. In order to have new life with an organ, you have to take it in, quite literally. And it seems so weird with Jesus because you're like, that's weird. But the Bible says it this way. If you're going to accept this free donation, this free gift of Jesus, it's simple and it's really hard. Because he, all he asks for is your whole self. All he asks for is surrender. To acknowledge and admit that your sin got you into the mess in the first place. And that it, that it has caused the separation. It's not anybody's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not your neighbor's fault. It's not your parents' fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not his fault or her fault. Our sin, my sin, has caused my separation with God. And the Bible says if you'll acknowledge that and that you will, 
You will believe that Jesus is the fix, that what he did on the cross to bear your sin and to pay that punishment is for you, that that's the way to get that new life. It says you'll be saved. You will be saved from having to deal with the punishment of your sin. That's what that word saved means. We say that a lot. Well, you'll be saved. You're like, what does that mean? If, if we don't receive the death that Jesus died, we'll pay for our own sins. Eternal and spiritual death. The last thing is this. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, out loud confession and belief in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that's the resurrection story that we're talking about, you'll be saved. There's this idea that we claim him as the boss, as the Lord of our life. A full like God, I haven't been able to fix it, so I'm gonna come underneath your authority and your love and your care and your way, and I'll walk in your way. The Bible says that's how you get that new life. It's already been offered. It's already done. He's not going to die again on the cross. He's, there's nothing else to be done. It's finished, the Bible says. Some of you here, you've done that, and you're like, yes, inside you're remembering the day that you gave your life to Jesus, that you invited him in to take over, and you received that free donation of new life. You accept and, and you sit here today excited. And when we sing in a minute, you're going to be the loudest ones because you want everybody to know how amazing it is. And some of you have been searching and waiting and seeking, hoping that there's another fix besides Jesus. I totally understand. And it's okay. And today you might do what I did when I was hearing about Jesus. You, you're going to hum and close your ears and you're going to do your best not to listen. And I, risk, I can respect that. But at the end of the day, it'll still be Jesus. And I want to offer that to you. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite those of you who are helping uh, pray to come to take your places today. And as they're coming up, I just want you to know this. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus through song, I want to offer this time to you to pray. To come and take Jesus, to come and receive that new life in Christ. And as we sing, if you are a, a Christian, I want you to sing loud. I want you to celebrate because he deserves it. If you want to know Jesus and you're scared, that's okay too. You can come find us afterward. In fact, over in this back corner, there's a lamp and a couple chairs. Maybe you need a quieter setting. But if God is calling you, oh, I beg you. I beg you, don't let another day go by while you sit on dialysis. But receive the new life that you can have in Jesus. Father, I do ask right now that as we sing, Lord, that that would minister to our hearts and it would cause us to be drawn to you, Father, for those who are in the fold, who know you and who receive Christ. God, help us to celebrate loudly. God, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, who's struggling, would you first just minister to their spirit? God, that you remind them that you love them and that there is a way forward. The Bible says that your kindness draws us to repentance, not your wrath. Lord, your wrath was poured out on Jesus already. May your kindness draw them to you. We lay all these things in your hands and it's in Jesus' name that we pray.